I'm Reverend Jay Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Today, I am once again sitting with Minister Roosevelt Sheriff, and I consider it a great privilege to have him with us. The minister is going to share with us out of his lived experience in a very personal way. And our prayer today is that someone who hears this around the world would be led to an appropriate response. And eternal God, we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Minister, amen. Minister Sheriff, could you kind of let folks know why we're here today and what we're talking about? We're here today um, to talk about my own personal experience uh, with cancer. I am a 26-year cancer overcomer. Um, I don't use the word survivor because um, God has called us to be overcomers. And so as we overcome, we are assigned with the task of emancipating others so that they too can overcome. Um, 26 years ago, at the age of 32, uh, I walked around for several months not knowing uh, what was going on with my health, going back and forth from doctor to doctor, and no one could give me an exact prognosis. Um, the pain that I would experience in its most aggressive stage was compared to the pain of a woman in labor and what I would experience was an abdominal pain that would shift to my right side and down into my lower back and sometimes the pain would keep me up for days at a time because there was no comfort I, I couldn't lay on my back um, I could only lay on my left side for a period of time before there was a lack of uh, blood circulation. And so the only way that I could really rest was to sit in an upright position. Uh, and at the time, I spent a lot of time at a mother's house because she had a chase lounger. And I found that that was the only way that I, I could really sleep. Um, and as uncomfortable as it was, uh, that was where I would find comfort let in, me ask, in that position. Let me ask you a question. I'm sorry to cut you off, but... No, it's okay. My, my question is this intense level of discomfort. Did, was it um, a slow onset? Did it develop over time? Or, when, or was it immediate? You know, did, did you, were you all of a sudden hit with this um, pain or was it gradual, a gradual onset? It was immediate. Um, the first time that it happened, um, my, my, um, my god brother, uh, my big brother, um, took me to the emergency room and it might have been uh, Mount Vernon and what the doctor 
supposedly came up with is that perhaps I might have pancreatitis. Now I was like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a drinker. Not to say that you have to be a drinker, uh, but there, you know, there was nothing that really pointed to that for me. And um, the next time <laughs> uh, the pain hit, um, I went to someone else. And I kept getting all of these different prognoses, but um, nothing. And so at least two or three months now, I'm going back and forth from doctor to doctor. And at the time I was uh, working with Metropolitan Life and I was under contractual obligation to do various trainings. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the ninth week came, I was supposed to be licensed and out in the field. Needless to say that because of my health experiences, uh, that wasn't the case. And I was terminated. Uh, I wasn't there long enough to collect unemployment. Um, now I had no health coverage. Mm-hmm. And um, I was afraid. I was really afraid and um, I had to speak to the master physician and when I went into my own closet and I just said, Lord, please help me to understand. I I just need some clarity because I'm afraid. I know you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but I'm afraid. And um, one evening. I crossed paths with uh, one of my closest friend's sisters and after telling her about my health quandary, <laughs> she let me know that she worked at the hospital that I was born in, which mm-hmm. is Metropolitan Hospital uh, in in uh, Spanish Harlem. And she said she worked for Medicaid and all she needed was my personal information and come see her the following day. And the following day I came to see her. Uh, She gave me a temporary Medicaid card, took me into an office, introduced me to one of her uh, colleagues who then gave me a clinic card. And I began going back and forth to the clinic. Uh, Long story short, they did a series of exams and finally they did an ultrasound on my entire midsection. This was on a Thursday and I was scheduled to come back on Monday uh, for the results. And Saturday I was in the bathroom and God spoke to me and the voice was as clear as this conversation. And I was instructed to examine myself and after I began probing, I discovered a mass that had formed on my right testy. And the mass was harder than asphalt. Mm. And when I went into the doctor on Monday, I told the doctor what I discovered. And she examined me and then she called my primary. And when my primary came down, she didn't even want to examine me. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. 
However, they stepped outside and they had the fastest medical discussion that I had ever witnessed. And when they came back in, they made a phone call to the cystoscopy department. And within 10 to 15 minutes, three doctors came down and they began to examine me. And a young sister by the name of Dr. Hall uh, took me back to the ultrasound department. And after the ultrasound, I'll never forget, I was standing outside and waiting. And she came to me and she said, Mr. Sharif, I'm sorry to inform you, uh, but you have cancer. And I said, thank you, God. And she said, what did you say? I said, thank you, God. Um, to rewind this story, it was maybe six months to a year before all of this began happening that someone that I was talking to on the phone told me that God was going to bless me, uh, but that there was concerns about my health mm-hmm. and I was going to have to go through some things in order to receive my blessing. Mm-hmm. And when Dr. Hall told me that I had cancer, that was when the light bulb went off and everything came full circle for me. And from that moment on, I never questioned why me Uh, I was admitted that day. I went through surgery the following morning. And after surgery, uh, there was no more pain, uh, just minor discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through extensive chemo because uh, the cancer had already spread into my abdominal area. Mm-hmm. And that's why I never experienced any pain in the lower region right. because the tumors had already spread to my abdominal area. Mm-hmm. And because it was so aggressive, their fear was that it would spread to my chest. But uh, but God right. is all I can say. <laughs> so you said that and, it was at least you said that it was at least um, two to three months of going back and forth without a proper diagnosis. Right. At least. So, you know, just looking back at the chain of events, you were you ended up without a job. You yeah. um, you had no medical coverage. No. You had no diagnosis. You didn't have a proper no. diagnosis. And no, this, I did this not. went on. You had pain though. And this went yeah. on this went on for months and and, and um, you went into prayer. And you were asking for some clarity. You know, your your back is up against the wall, and and it's really frustrating. And and you went into prayer, and then very shortly after that, um, you were put in touch with with somebody who worked in the hospital. You said, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So That's God, God answers prayers in ways that we don't yeah. all, always expect. No, but you know. Um, God has a way of showing us um, what, well, let me rephrase this. What God does, humanity cannot take credit for. Mm -hmm. And and when God delivers you, you know that it was no one but God. 
and basically I went through extensive chemo uh, where I had to be admitted into the hospital for a week at a time. Mm-hmm. So I would go in on a Sunday morning. Uh, they would begin to intravenously uh, hydrate me with uh, saline fluids uh, to keep my kidney and liver flushed. Mm-hmm. And my treatment would take place from Monday through Friday. I would be released on Saturday, and then Monday I would come back in and do an outpatient visit. Mm. And uh, they would, I would intravenously receive a chemotherapy called bleomycin. And bleomycin would literally just zap me of everything. Uh, it was to the point where every day at three o'clock my body would just shut down like clockwork Mm -hmm. and no matter what i was doing i would have to rest for at least three to four hours Mm -hmm. and basically when i would wake back up i would eat uh, whatever i could tolerate and by 10 o'clock i was out for the night Mm And um, after all the chemo, uh, when I did my final C-scan and chest x-ray, my surgeon came to me and said that he saw something and he could not verify what it was. And he was suggesting that I undergo surgery a second time. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I consulted uh, the head oncologist who then sat with my surgeon and after looking at uh, the scan, he advised me that I needed to undergo this surgery. And so for the second time I went under and I was under for over 14 hours. Mm. And when I came to, uh, my surgeon told me that they couldn't find a remaining tumorous cell in my body. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Um, and again, what God does, humanity cannot take credit for. Amen. Amen. You know, I, um, I like that you say that. Um, first of all, a couple of things. Um, you said earlier, you said that when you found out, when they told you that, when they informed you that you had cancer, you responded with, thank you, God, right? Yeah. And, and can you tell us, I don't want the listening audience to be misled as to why you said that, but what were you thinking when you thanked God when you were informed of cancer, having cancer? The first thing that went through my mind was what was prophesied to me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that God is a promise keeper and God always delivers on God's promise and knowing sometimes can be beneficial and then sometimes not because knowing doesn't always make it easy Mm -hmm. Uh, but knowing um, what I had made me recognize who had me mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. and I guess it's kind of like uh, you know David 
and and I think about we had this discussion about the 22nd saw mm-hmm. and at first glance you know uh, we can't get past the first verse and we look at it as a psalm of forsakenness but it's actually a psalm of deliverance right. but in order for David to say yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in the 23rd Psalm, he had to experience a moment where he felt like he was alone. Mm-hmm. However, God lets us know when we are delivered that we're never alone. Mm-hmm. And even in God's silence, God is always there. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was that moment uh, where I could say, okay, I, I'm walking through the valley, but I'm not concerned about the things that surround me uh, because the one that is walking with me is able to control the outcome of the circumstances that surround me in my valley moment. So he, here's, here's my, my something I want to mention, that when you prayed, God put you in touch with caretakers, people who could take care of you, as, yeah. a, as opposed to maybe there's some, I've heard people, you know, say, well, all I need is faith and God will heal me. But in your case, God didn't um, just pop in and remove the cancer because you prayed. He entered into your struggle and, and put you in touch with people who could actually take care of you um, and and provide what you needed. So so then, I guess what I'm saying is that God can use the doctors as instruments in his hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's the point that um, I'm trying to get at. What is interesting is that um, everyone that I encountered along the way uh <laughs> was set apart was set apart Mm -hmm. for this purpose and thank you is a small word that goes a long way Uh, but I'm truly grateful for everyone uh, that cared for me and God continued to surround me with living angels and it was a very low point for me mm-hmm. um, because again I was unemployed I had to apply for public assistance for the first time mm-hmm. in my life and um, just that whole experience um, I had just begun uh, chemotherapy and you know your immune system is low as a result of the medications because it's destroying both good and bad cells and um, I had come in uh, to a location supposedly that I'm supposed to report to and I get there it's raining only to be told that I'm at the wrong location Mm -hmm. and I was sent somewhere else and when I got to that location I'm filling out all of this paperwork standing in line and I get to the window only to be told that I need to go back to where I just left from. Mm-hmm. 
And at that point, my body is weak. And I mean, I just wanted to cry, literally. Mm -hmm. And you know, for those for those who who are listening, um, let me ask you a question. This was after your biggest moments in the music industry. Yeah. Okay, so so let's just pause right there for a second, because you went from. And for those who don't know, the minister in in his uh, in his earlier days in, of his youth, he was really involved in the music business, and and so what I'm getting at is that you found yourself, you know, going from performing in front of thousands of people and all of that, and and now you're applying for public assistance. You're without a job. You got cancer. I mean, this is a really um, a trajectory that could have led you to a, a place of despair, desolation. And even I can imagine someone being angry with God. But but right. you, but you said, thank you, God, for bringing yeah. clarity into this situation, at least letting me know what's going on. Now, let me add to that. Mm-hmm. This was not even a year after I had given my heart to God mm-hmm. and, and and rededicated myself to following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I recognize that um because I decided to follow that didn't mean that things were uh you know the road was gonna be uh peachy keen. Right. I understood that, yeah, now the enemy was coming for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also understood who had me. Yes, you followed him and he followed you into a storm. Yes. And he was with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he did not and He did not abandon you. No, he, not at all. He was with you the whole time and gave you some sort, some sort of, of, of comfort, even in the worst moments. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anyone that is listening, whenever you find yourself uh, unable to navigate through life storms, I encourage you to just lift your hands up and say, Jesus, take the wheel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. So let's talk about now. We hear that, um, I hear young African-American men who seem to have a, supposedly there's some sort of genetic predisposition to being uh, afflicted with cancerous, um, you know, activity in their bodies, um, being resistant to getting even their annual checkups. I would encourage... Uh, implore, insist uh, that it is important uh, that you maintain um, doctor visits, checkups. Um, You know, I think that is one of the greatest curses uh, in in our community. And, and, And I think it stems back to our parents' parents who could not afford to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that 
that has fought that that's a curse that has followed many of our men uh but i'm very in tune with my body mm-hmm. and um cancer was really a wake-up call because i was 32 mm-hmm. you know and what it really showed me is that uh no flesh is not uh incorruptible right. <laughs> um and and so it is important that we take care this is your temple mm-hmm. this is your temple and so there's only one you and so to all my brothers out there understand that the world needs you we need you um and it is important that you take care of yourself so that you can maintain longevity mm-hmm. uh, our lives are not determined by how long we live but by what we do with the time that we're given and I think a lot of times we rob the world of being a blessing when we don't do our due diligence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so um, <clears throat> had you not paid attention to the signals your body was giving you and let's say you decided to just, this may seem like a silly question, but I believe that maybe there's somebody that needs to hear this. If you would have just, as they say, suffered in silence, where, well, where could that have led you? Uh, basically, uh, as DMX said, uh, staring at the roof of the church, the preacher's telling the truth and it hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's unfortunate um, but that's basically it would have spread to the point where surgery would have not even been an option uh, because once it would have spread to my chest, that's it. There would there would have been nothing that they could do. Right. And nowadays, um, nowadays, when we talk about keeping up with your annual checkups and examinations and all that physicals, nowadays it's not that easy to get an appointment. Uh, for for even for a, um, a physical, an annual physical, they might be month, booked months out. Yeah. So um, it, it's best to make the appointment and get it while you can. Yeah, and and get it get it early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, as I'm being transparent, you know my my older brother who was the one who inspired me. Uh, musically Uh, he played bass guitar and growing up you know I wanted to play the bass just like my big brother Mm -hmm. and uh, I'll never forget one day walking home uh, from one of his rehearsals and I looked up and I said when I get older I want to play the bass just like you and he looked down at me he said nah bruh he said you can't play the same instrument you gotta play something different so that we could vibe together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was one uh, that had a battle with prostate cancer. And unfortunately for him, uh, he woke up in the middle of a procedure. Whoa. And they had to literally restrain him. Mm. And it was after that that he told me that he would never go back 
for another treatment. And basically when the cancer resurfaced, uh, it was so painful uh, that there was really nothing that they could do at that point. And he knew a year before he transitioned that his healing wouldn't take place here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I watched him go from that place of fear, doubt, and anger to a place where he looked at me uh, in my face during a morning devotion. And he said, do you know who sustains me? And I said, no, who sustains you, bruh? He said, God sustains me. Mm -hmm. And it was then that I understood and knew that he was not afraid of leaving. And when he transitioned, uh, the hospice nurse that was um, on duty at the time, as we were around his bedside, she said that it was the most peaceful transition that she had ever witnessed. Amen. And this was during my early stages in seminary. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I really didn't know how to mourn him. And I questioned in my prayers, like, God, how do I mourn such a powerful witness? And it was one of our professors. Dr. Nancy Fields, mm-hmm. uh, who, after sitting in her office, she said, uh, Minister, in the past four years, uh, you've watched a lot of people close to you transition, and it doesn't matter what you may profess to know and understand, it's okay for you to mourn. And man, I let the floodgates loose in her office. And to this day, I am eternally grateful uh, to Dr. Nancy Fields for letting me know that, yeah, it's okay. Um, But this is what happens when, unfortunately, sometimes we allow what we go through to discourage us from getting the help that we need. And my, my prayer my prayer today is that if there is someone who's listening today that um, is actually going through this or um, or just feeling discomfort in their body and, and just suffering in silence, that again, that you would be led to the appropriate response. You heard the minister share out of his experience. You heard his wise counsel to, to go get yourself checked out um, early and keeping your annual physicals and, and all of that. Um, so, you know, Minister, I, I want, really want to thank you for coming on and sharing so um, personally out of your lived experience. And I would just ask you to um, give some closing remarks to someone somewhere around the world who's listening and hearing this discussion. First, I want to say no thanks is necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thank you once again. Uh, for allowing me to come on and and be transparent. Uh, my word of advice or encouragement uh, to anyone is first to trust God. Um, 
and just know that if you're asking God uh, for clarity, uh, for deliverance, you must trust that God is able uh, to bring you clarity and to deliver you. Um, faith without works, <laughs> we all know what that leads to. Um, but I encourage all of my young brothers, uh, my young sisters, uh, to please, please, please um, make an appointment to see your doctor. Uh, for my brothers that are over 45, uh, please get your prostate exam. Um, it's not the same. Uh, you don't have to worry about that discomfort um, because there are other ways for them to check your prostate uh, without you uh, having to be uncomfortable or feeling violated. Mm -hmm. That's a good point because many there are many that refuse to go to the doctor for this very reason. And I'm glad that, that technology, um, as you say, has, has changed a bit and we're able to um, detect um, some things in other ways. So yeah. um, you've been listening to Faith Talk and I'm, I'm invite you, encourage you to visit the website at www.reverendjstuartglover.com where you can sign up as a, a guest, as a, a recipient of being on the mailing list. You can contact me directly by email. You can even register as a guest to, to be on, on an episode. So thank you for listening and I pray again that God uh, leads you to the appropriate response. Amen. Amen. Amen.